Hello and welcome to the Taste Uber Music Podcast. I'm Diana Lynn. After a 40-year career in corporate America, I took a huge U-turn and became a volunteer DJ on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Since 2010, I've been the host, programmer, and engineer of a weekly Americana Roots music show, The Tasty Brew. With this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with artists and music industry insiders with the goal of entertaining and educating the listening audience, all while giving a voice to the music makers that are underserved or ignored by mainstream media. This episode brings a conversation with Canadian-born, Austin-based roots musician Ray Bonneville. Ray had a former life as a Marine in Vietnam, a bush pilot in the Canadian wilderness, and the leader of a blues bar band. Ray's music came to my attention at the suggestion of fellow KKFI DJ Junebug John Sturkey, host of the weekly radio show The Blues Kitchen. He said I should check out Badman's Blood. It would be a great fit for the tasty brew, he said. He was right. Some years later, I wrangled Ray into the studio for a live performance and interview between showcases at a Folk Alliance International Conference here in Kansas City. I don't know that I've missed a Ray Bonneville show in Kansas City since. His music is blues-informed, but greatly influenced by the musical gumbo that can be found in his former home of New Orleans. The tones he accomplishes with just a guitar and harmonica are uniquely his own. Before a recent show, we had a wide-ranging conversation in the green room next to the railroad tracks at Knucklehead Saloon in Kansas City that at times was accompanied by the sound of steel on the rails, train whistles, horns, and the country band doing their sound check in the gospel lounge below. Now that's Americana. Enjoy my conversation with the incomparable Ray Bonneville. I want to tell you that I thought about you a couple weeks ago. I was privileged to be able to attend a concert that was in the Topeka Correctional Facility, which is the only maximum security prison for women Mm -hmm. in Kansas. A friend of mine is a documentary filmmaker, and she has partnered with Rita Chiarelli. Yeah, Rita Chiarelli, yeah, from, from, from Canada. From Canada. And Rita came down, and they spent a month in this facility, and they chose some of the inmates to put on a show, put on a concert. And a lot of these inmates have never performed in public before, save for one. Mm. Have you ever been to prison? I've not, well, I've, I've been in jail. I went to jail uh, when I was a young Marine on my way to Vietnam. I uh, I got into some trouble in Oceanside, California. Just some drunken stuff, you know. You drunk young guy, you know. Uh, so I did go to jail, but I've, I have played prisons. I played at the Con- Concord, uh, Massachusetts uh, prison. And I played in a prison in Vermont, and uh, so I'm I'm familiar with the vibe in there. So I was kind of I was <clears throat> kind of curious if you'd ever played prisons. Yeah, before. I played prisons, and um, and you know I um, that song uh, the day they let me out. I I, uh, I don't know I don't know why I wrote that. Um, I think I wrote it from because I had a very contentious relationship with my father, and so I started out writing that song. Uh, uh, I was looking for a way to tell the story about a, a father who uh, who was, um, you know, v- violent and uh, in the house uh, of children. You know, his children. So my dad was, he, he, I wouldn't say he was violent, but he did hit us. And he, he was more uh, psychologically uh, oppressive in a religious way. Mm-hmm. He, he drove 
religion down our throats. And so that song, you know, um, I have the guy in prison. It's a vehicle to tell a story, you know, uh, about uh, two brothers. I had a brother. I had, well, I had four, three brothers and five sisters, but uh, we... Um, we were afraid of our father a lot of the time, so, so that you know that that song is. Uh, I put him in a prison, you know. I put him in a prison that he he ran away from home, uh, very young, and uh, wound up in jail. And he calls his brother to tell him. One of the comments that I remember you making about your songs that you don't do a lot of in-between song chatter at your shows because you don't want to superimpose necessarily what the listener is going to get out of the um, song. Well, you know, I, I, I'm kind of of two minds about that. I, I, try and, I try and talk a little bit more these days, uh, but I don't don't explain the songs. I might introduce the song and say it's about this or... But, you know, the more I say, then the less their listener's imagination can be triggered. So I like to just... Yeah. I don't... Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't used to talk at all. I think that a lot probably depends on the venue. You know, if you're playing a really nice listening room... Um, where it feels pretty intimate and you're making some eye contact with somebody, maybe you feel a little bit more comfortable about yeah. explaining it. Or if you're at a festival, vis-a-vis -vis if you're at a festival and you're up on a stage and the nearest person is 50 feet away, it's yeah. hard to feel yeah. that, um, maybe. I don't, uh, I don't think for a... The thing about a, a small room, um, a small listening room, is you can get something going with the audience. You can get them to talk back. You can say stuff, and they can. If you invite them to 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 talk with you, you can get little conversations going. And sometimes people do ask me about certain songs. Uh, you know how how it came to be written. Uh, but I, I um, like Crow John, for example. I I I I know how it was written why it was written but people often think it's about different things so i don't i shy away from saying exactly how it was written or why do you feel real proprietary of your songs or are they because they're like your children or once they're out there in their ether they're well they're once gone. they're out there they're, they're there but they, they i don't write them for me i write them for the listener mm -hmm. so i i want so. I, I want the i want the I want the song to belong to the listener, you know, but they are kind of like my kids because I don't have kids and yeah. I have songs. I have a soft spot in my heart for people that kind of come to their bliss later in life. I didn't start broadcasting till I was 59. Yeah. Um, and from what I understand, you didn't start catching songs or writing songs until you were in your early 40s. That's right, yeah. But now, that's some... Um, decades that's uh, gone. yeah that's uh 27 years ago i think some now uh started around 41 42 years old do you have a lot of lyrics laying around looking for melodies to go i do them? i my phone's full of them um and my used to be little notebooks but now i put them in my phone or on my computer and, and they're looking for one time I found a, a complete song in my in my notebook and I was looking for a song to uh, 
I was making a record and I needed another song and I found it all written in there. I'd forgotten completely about it. Have you given any thought to perhaps a, a book, written word? Well, I, I'm writing, I, I'm writing a memoir now. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, it starts in an airplane. Uh, I was flying in the bush and I got into some very bad trouble in some weather. And it, the, the, the book is going to start with that. With that? Yeah. And then I'm going to time travel. But I've already written probably, uh, I probably have like 40,000 words right now. I've enjoyed books by people like Radney Foster yeah. or Rodney Crowell or mm -hmm. Darden Smith and some of these other songwriters that I can only imagine. They just had so many words yeah. and not enough time to put them in a song. Yeah. Or they were never going to see the light of day. Right. So yeah. let's figure out some other format. Yeah. Put them in. And I took up painting, too. Did you know? Yeah. You enjoy uh, your painting and... Yeah, I took uh, took up watercolor painting, and I'm still a novice, so I'm gonna get try to get good at it this summer. Oh man, I'm so envious. I have no artistic talent, what whatsoever. Um, what we were just talking about the doing the memoir and yeah. finding trying to find a home for the mm -hmm. the words. Um, this is another quote that I heard this week that made me think about you. Ken Burns is getting ready to release this um, documentary about country music. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, a documentarian that he kind of looks to for for guidance. And his teacher told him, "All meaning accrues in duration." And I thought, well, what does that what does that mean? Yeah, All meaning what does accrues it mean? In, well, the, to me, I'm starting to mean um, that you can't really discern what the meaning. Is until you've got some miles on you or some, oh. some perspective, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and these conversations that I'm having with folks that are of my vintage or our vintage. Yeah. It's a completely different conversation than when I'm going to be talking to two thirty-year-olds next week. Yeah. You know, right. it's a whole different perspective. Um, Experience-wise, uh, but there are some young people I've noticed that are. Uh, have old souls and they are uh, they're already uh, they have a lot of depth to their thinking and their writing even quite young so um, but by and large yeah you got to get some salt on you yeah I think if I'm I used to um, deny my age or my experience or mm -hmm. whatever and I'm, once I hit 65, I can. I'm over that. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's just what. It's a badge of honor now. It, it's you know? what happens if you don't die. Yeah, it's what happens what you do, when you when you don't die. Yeah. Um. So you alluded to maybe you're going to be taking a different direction now that you're looking. Well, at you know, I'm looking to slow down these miles I'm putting on. I, you know, I'm 70, and I, I, uh, I don't want to give um the rest of my life to the highway mm -hmm. anymore. I've been. Are you still doing 100 shows or so a year? Yeah, I'm doing. A, a fair amount of shows. I I just I've, I've done fourteen on this run, and uh, I got five more. Uh, it's a hard life. I've gone on radio tour with some artist friends of mine for like a week at a time, and I just can't wait to get home and yeah. sleep in my own bed and yeah. get my nutrition back on track yeah. and hydration. I mean, well, you know, it's a compromise between working for somebody at some other job and, and working for yourself. And and I never I never wanted to work for anybody else. I did with the airplanes. I had a boss. But um, once I took off, I was free, you know. Um, 
What when you're in Austin, you still live in Austin. I live in Austin. Yeah. Um, what's a typical day like for you in Austin on a well, on you a know, day off? When I'm home, I, I, I when I'm not touring, I uh, I read a lot, and I and I play guitar and I look for songs in my in my within myself and in my notes and uh, and uh, you know I go have go visit with people and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of folks that live in Austin that would make good companions for a yeah. there. Yeah, you know, Garth lives there yeah. and, and Eliza Gilkison lives there and um, I have a few friends around there. Uh, um, Chuck Hawthorne lives there. Mm -hmm. He's got a pretty Yeah, he's, he's great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to throw some names out at you and yeah. just kind of free associate. Um, Rad Lorkovic. Radislav? Mm -hmm. but, oh, well, he's a, just a great guy. He's a great piano player. He's a, he's a traveling free soul. He really is. I had always thought of him as a side man. Yeah. That's always had been my first introduction. I've seen him do his own show. I saw him do his own it's show. quite good. At Woody Guthrie last year. Yeah, it's it was, quite good. It was, it was great. Yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a fun discovery. Yeah. Uh, so rad. Um, John Fulbright. Well, John is brilliant. Really, he's one of these young guys who's who's an old soul. Mm -hmm. I think you know, uh, he's um, yeah. He uh, right out of the gate, you could tell he had something special. You know, the first time I saw him, he was nineteen. Yeah, really. me, me too. I think just extraordinary. And I see him. You know, at Woody, he's at Woody Fest every yeah every year. I'll yeah. see him here. Well, he's an Oki. Gurf. more like well. Now Gurf, I've been friends with, uh, pretty good friends with for. Uh, like Rad and and uh, John, uh, I know them, I know them, but I don't know them like I know Gurf. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I met Gurf at a festival, uh, uh, I think probably twenty years ago, and uh, we've been friends ever since. You know, and we collaborate quite a bit. We he's play. got such a sense of a unique sense of humor. Yeah, he's got a very dry sense of humor, mm -hmm. and he's uh, he's a very funny guy, and he's uh, he's a brilliant artist, and. Uh, I'm happy to have him as a friend. I'm not a musician. I don't play an instrument. Mm -hmm. I sit across from a lot of people on the air when they're playing these beautiful guitars or mandolins or whatever. Yeah. To me, knowing a couple of music therapists, the, the tone of your guitar mm. and the beat simulates a heartbeat almost, the rate of a heart. You mean my, my stuff? Yes, yes. Yeah, stuff. well, that's... That's a little bit on purpose. So, for the gearheads that might be listening to this, how do you get that tone? And you know, what's your guitar? The string. I mean, I, I watch your hands. There's there's a, a show that you did for I think Wyoming Public Television. Yeah, yeah, uh, live at the Denison yes. Lodge. Yeah, and they get some really great close-ups of your hands, mm -hmm. and um, you can see the indentations of the strings on the pads of your fingers. You're yeah. playing slide at the moment. So oh, and you, you could see, uh, yes, you, you, could, you could see that you right could, there. Yeah. Yes, you could, you could see that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so how, how do you get that tone? Do you have a lot, of, you have a lot of pedals? How, how does that work? No, I don't use pedals. I, I don't, I don't use any pedals. I use a no tuner. Pedals. I, I use a tuner pedal and uh, that's it. And your guitar, you have two guitars generally that I see switch. I have over. two or three guitars on stage and a bunch of harmonicas and uh, I'm playing P90 pickups uh, through uh, f f smaller Fender amps 
and I, I let my ear tell me where I want the tone to be, and it's usually in that zone that I that you hear me in. And uh, I don't use guitar picks. I use uh, my right hand uses index finger and thumb, and my left hand plays the chords that I I found on uh, the top part of page one of book one. Uh, in, uh, in the guitar book when I was 14 years old and I never did learn any other chords. So the top strings, the bass strings, are the percussive bass They're, they're, they're kind of like the bass line and you know I have, I have uh, amplified wood under my feet so uh, when my thumb comes down on a string one of my feet's coming down too so I, I like to think of it that I'm, I'm putting wood into the guitar sound. Because um, um, it's coming Sounds down like at, the at the exactly <laughs> exact same time as my my thumb is coming down, one of my feet's coming down. So that's why I tell the sound man never to have it too loud. I, I right. want it to be very subtle because uh, I'm basically adding wood to the guitar sound. So this percussive style, then you strap on the harmonica, mm -hmm. and I love the sound of a harmonica. Yeah. Did you teach John Fulbright? Um, or yeah. did you supplement what he already I, knew? I showed him some... Th I, went, I went to his house and showed him... Because to things. me, it's an, I mean, it's such a full-body experience to watch. You're doing all of this. You're, you're singing the song. You're blowing <clears throat> on the harp. You're playing the guitar. You're... Well, I'm not singing at the same time as no, I'm blowing harp. No, but it's still... You're, you've got a lot going on. Yeah, there's a, there's a few things going on. But, uh, you know, one thing is my feet. My feet are going to be doing that regardless like even if they're not amplified right, so right. I just really put mics on them and uh, so I'm singing and I'm playing the guitar and then when I'm not singing I'm playing the harp so that's my uh, solo instrument so it's kind of like a little four-piece band one-man band yeah it's a one-man band um, I, I don't like that term that yeah, much it, it because it conjures up billion, yeah it conjures right. up like a guy with a bunch of symbols on his knees and a monkey and a you know a bunch of gadgets really I'm just putting forth the main elements of a, a little a little band you know there's some percussion there's a, a, there's a bass lines going there's some rhythm and a few a few picked out leads I usually find my leads uh, right inside the chord uh, uh, my little finger can grab a few things and and then there's the, the singer and then the harp player you know mm -hmm. yeah well I ride on the mail train can buy a dream I've been up all night leaning on the windowsill well it's it's very therapeutic for me oh, good. to listen to. It's very, I mean, you know, as someone who is a patron and a supporter mm -hmm. um, and not a musician, I listen to music like most people do for certain different reasons. Yeah. If I'm getting ready to go out for the evening and I want to get all hyped up, then I'll put on some little Latin loopy loop from the Righteous Brothers or something like yeah. that, you know? Or if uh, my energy level is really low, I'll put on some crazy bluegrass and really high but when I'm wanting to you know calm myself or um, bring my heart rate down or just Ray Bonneville oh good you know it's, yeah. it's and I think it's that because of that tempo yeah you know that, well it's a kind of um, approach uh, that has some some hypnotism as a goal 
um, you know, uh, the beat is heartbeat-like. Not always. I mean, some of them are... I don't have a lot of very fast... Uh, I mean, Mississippi's probably as fast as it gets. Yeah, Mississippi, right? that groove there, yeah. But it is kind of like uh, hypnotic, I suppose. Uh, and, uh, and then... Uh, when the listeners are under that influence, then uh, you can tell them a story. Yeah. Well, I would imagine that, you know, the listening room environment or the house concert or a smaller venue yeah. like this is probably where you're happiest. It's yeah. I'm, I'm happiest listening. I've, I, I'm concentrating on having these conversations with artists going to the smaller festivals, going mm. to the house concerts, great, having yeah. house concerts myself, yeah. um, just to have a more intimate, meaningful experience mm -hmm. with whatever time I've got left. Yeah, right, you know, right, right. Um, with the music. Um, but, you know, yeah, the smaller venues, I mean, I like playing a big festival, too, and uh, I do approach that performance differently. It's less intimate. I have to project more on both the guitar and everything, on my voice. Did you ever... Take the like for instance the players that had that you had with you in the studio, on at King Electric. Do you perform with them as a band? Um, I perform oftentimes with the piano player. I just because uh, he was here the last time I remember yeah. in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, November or mm -hmm. so. Yeah, mostly uh, I tour with Richie when I'm in California. But he's he's come to Tulsa and he's come to Austin a number of times and uh, he's uh, really a lot of fun to play with and he's mm -hmm. a very dear friend. So. Uh, you probably just kind of nod at each other and know it. Yeah. There's not a, yeah, yeah. a lot that has to be. His wife jokes that our rehearsals sound like uh, something like, uh, so Richie, you know, we're going to go to the four after that uh, that thing there. And he goes, yeah, I know. And uh, she goes, well, that was a rehearsal, you know, like that. So, yeah, we know each other pretty well. But don't forget, we played in a band together when we were in our 20s, Richie and I. In the Boulder, Colorado, kind of bar band thing. Or yeah, I had a, I had a blues band, and he was in it. Well, it's nice to be able to to keep those relationships intact. Yeah, but you know, it happened serendip uh, serendipitously. Serendipitously. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, I had lost a sight of him or lost touch with him, and uh, one Which day is easy uh, to do. One day he showed up uh, at one of my shows in in. Uh, outside of Sacramento, so we uh, we started uh, hanging out and playing together. Let's talk, I want to talk about At King Electric for just a moment. Yeah. Um, are you still with Red House? No. Is that one, are you on your own? Yeah, I'm on my own, yeah. Um, because I, I recall, um, gosh, it might be four or five years ago now when you were in the studio mm -hmm. with us and we wanted to play something or I'd asked you to play something and you said, I don't think I can do that because the record's not out yet and Red House doesn't want me oh. to. You know, so you were you were concerned about getting crossways with them. Oh, about yeah. Jumping the gun on oh, something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I thought, that sucks. <laughs> not being able to, to play your own mm -hmm. song or whatever because... Well, I mean, I probably chose not to. Uh... I, I'm, I, I don't think I would be breaking any laws, but, um, you know, Red House, they sold to Compass um, um, Beth Friend, who was the wife of, uh, of Bob Feldman, uh, who who's passed away. Mm. Uh, she 
announced one day that she was selling the company to Compass Records in Nashville, and uh, some of the artists went went over there to Compass, and and uh, and uh, Red House is still uh, a, a label within uh, the organization of Compass Group, Compass Records. Yeah, I group. still get content. From yeah, them. so uh, but I um, I just wanted to go on my own. You mm -hmm. know? Well, I certainly understand that. Yeah, I mean, it's not the same label. You know, I was friends with Eric Peltonimi, the president, and uh, with uh, Chris Furmeyer and the, the crew over uh -huh. there. Uh, there's only one person from that, from that crew the, who went over to Compass, and that's one of the publicists. One, Jim Lauderdale told me, he's got his own label, Sky Crunch label, yeah. and he... <laughs> says he probably holds the record for being kicked off him or being dropped by more major record labels than oh, yeah. anybody in, in yeah. Nashville, Tennessee. But, I mean, I guess it's a double-edged sword. It used to be, back in the day, it was all about getting signed by a record label, and the record label would take care of you, and they would handle all of the, the road management and airplay and getting on the radio and all that stuff. And now it's so much DIY. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Is that okay? I mean, well, it has to be okay. Yeah. It's what it, it's the way it is. Like if you want, if you want to keep, if you want to keep playing, uh, you have to, you have to uh, roll with the punches. Yeah. What do you do for fun? Oh, I have a fishing rod. I was wondering if there was a fishing. Yeah, rod. I have a fishing rod, and uh, and I go for walks, and I uh, I've got some lower back issues now, so I do my exercises. I do too. Yeah, I do exercises whenever I can. I came home from Montreal in a wheelchair. Oh boy. <laughs> it was Oh boy. It was bad. I've never had that kind of experience before. Yeah. So fishing. Fishing, yeah. Fishing, and I like to go. I go. I like to go to go looking at things or in a town. You know? Austin gets so hot in the summer. Yeah. You, you take off and I go to Canada. Canada. Yeah, I have a camp up there on uh, Lake Superior. My goal is oh, to come yeah. back to Montreal in the summer sometime, mm. and not in the winter when they've just had yeah. two feet of snow and it's yeah. six degrees. Yeah, I'm not which down with. Which is what Folk Alliance was this year. I'm not down with the winter anymore, really. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I mean, I think it's good to have. You know, a, a hobby—not so much a hobby. Fishing isn't a hobby. It's well, um, especially it's, if you're doing it, it to provide your dinner. It's kind of a—I suppose it's kind mm -hmm. of a, a hobby. I mean, I like to fly fish, and uh, uh, I like to fool the fish. But I don't—I only take one at the end of the of the of the day if I'm hungry for a fish. I'll take one, or or if I injure one in, inadvertently, I'll, I'll I'll keep it. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I'll fry it up later. Well, my goal is to get an Airstream and hit the road and yeah. go to the national parks and learn how to fish. Yeah. Uh, my sister fishes competitively. She lives on South Padre Island down in Texas, and they have all these fishing tournaments. Yeah, that's pretty great down and there. And she's been doing that for 20 or 30 years, fishing mm -hmm. competitively. And I went down there one time. I've never even put the bait, you know, on the hook. Yeah. Um, but she made me do all of that stuff, okay. and it was exhilarating yeah. to catch a fish yeah. that way. And yeah. to, I mean, I wasn't real down with cleaning it and everything, yeah. but uh, I ate it yeah. <laughs> later later that evening. Yeah. I think it helps paint the artist as more of a human being. You know, you're not just this machine that goes out on the no. road and drives to the... I mean, you might feel like that sometimes yeah. when you're 12 or 13 days Well, you, you drive for a living and you play for satisfaction. And I get paid to drive. 
Yeah. That's the way I see it. What are, you, what are you What are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading a, a book that was a finalist for the Man Booker Prize, but I, I can't think of the name of it right now. Uh, it, but it's about some jazz players in Germany uh, right before World, World War II. And mm -hmm. as as the um, and and there's segments of it where they're in Paris and Paris is occupied, and uh, so it's a uh, it's a it's around that and I can relate to that because I lived in Paris, and I've played in, in Germany uh, all over Germany, um, and and when I'm in Germany I'm always imagining what it would have been like in the early '40s, you know. Um, so yeah, I can't think of the name of the book. Uh, Right, right off the top of I'm my trying head, to but. get back into reading whole books again I mean I go down these rabbit holes where I'm reading so much content that are press releases or yeah. people's bios or whatever that my attention span has gotten sh shortened mm -hmm. where I don't have the discipline yeah. to read a book anymore yeah. and I used to love to read yeah books. books are great they really take you places and they, they're, they're full of ideas for songs mm -hmm. too Some good books yeah I, I can only imagine. That's why I think you should write one. Well, I am writing. Yeah. One. Are you writing with someone? No. It's totally on your own. I'm just kind of telling my story. Yeah. Do you have a publisher? Oh no, no, no. I'm just, uh, I'm just writing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, promise me that you'll get a publisher. Well, it, you know, when I get something in my hands that I, I feel is, uh, is good, uh, or some other writer friends of mine tell me that it's uh, reasonable, then I uh, might. Do you find, as you're writing your memoirs, do you find yourself thinking, man, am I remembering this right? Oh, do, yeah, Do I course. need to run this by I, somebody? I mean, I mean memory is so uh, so tricky. I mean, I, my brother Francois and I, we, we've we've done some things together, and he has a completely different uh, memory of, of it as you know than I do, so... Uh, or my brother has a much better memory. He'll say, he'll always say to me, Diana, remember that time when? Yeah, or? but you know, his memory is uh, uh, also, uh, you know, subject to, uh, you know, his brain. Right, you know, and he's eight years younger too. So. Well, yeah, he's going to have a different <laughs> version of it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, um, I toyed with the thought of not writing a book so much as just maybe trying to journal now. Mm -hmm. And I do have a journal by my bed and I write down sure. ideas mm -hmm. from time to time or, or lyrics or quotes that, um, and I've even toyed with writing song lyrics. I mean, I, I've written lyrics to songs, but I don't hear melody. I don't have that yeah. brain. So yeah. if I'm going to do something, I'm going to have to turn them over to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, to finish, but um, we all have a very unique and unusual story mm -hmm. to tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, no stories is the same as somebody else's story. No, I think they're gonna start. I think they are too. Monkeying around down there. So, do do you have more? Or? I I don't. I no? don't unless there's something specific that you want. No, I I, uh, I didn't answer you. I didn't finish your question about who's on the record. Uh, Richie and there's Andre Boran, who's the son of Spencer Boran. He's uh he's the drummer on the record. 
And so it's Richie and Andre and myself in the studio, fairly live off the floor. At King Electric, what is that? King Electric is the studio I, I work at. Uh, it's Justin Douglas's studio. He In Austin. Yeah, he's my co-producer, and I, I say that because he's really the engineer, but the, the amount of input he, he puts into a record that I make, and he's been involved in a, the last three, if not four, uh, it's, you know, I couldn't do it without him, so I give him production credit. Are you producing for anyone? Yeah, yeah I produced Chuck Hawthorne. You did? And Amber Cross. Um, Chuck's the one that the, he did Silver the Kickstarter. Oh, you did Silver Lane? Silver Lane, yeah. I'm the producer. He's a Marine also. He was a Marine, yeah. Yeah. In fact, we, we My met... My son's a Marine, and he says you're always a Marine. Well, that's not true. I'm not a Marine anymore. No. Uh, some people are. Yeah, my son's a firefighter. And Chuck, he's still Chuck, a Chuck is a Marine still, I think a little bit, but um, but he's he's only been out a few years. I've been out uh, I've been out uh, uh, fifty years. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, he's not been out. That you know, long. my the, son's in, only in, been out in the military. Eight. In the military, the people that are above you are not necessarily above you because they're smarter than you. Mm -hmm. They're above you because they've been there longer. And that's a frustrating thing about the military, for me anyway. Uh, but um, yeah, um, I forget what the question was. But oh, well, I was asking <clears throat> if you if you had produced some uh, someone. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Chuck. Yeah, and Amber. You should listen to Amber. I Cross. don't know her. Well, you should. You I should. Will. Her album is called uh, Savage on the Downhill, and it's a really good record. Do you have plans to do more production? Well, you know, it really takes a lot of my time, and I would produce, I would produce some somebody else. Do you or, like being in the studio? I, like I love being in the process? studio. I, I really love it. I've yeah. spent some time in the recording studios with artists, and some of them you can tell just love it, and the other ones it's just ugh. Yeah. No, it's a magic place. Um, do you prepare? Do you rehearse before you go in a studio? Well, not too you, much. Not too much. A little bit. I guess it depends on if you're on the clock or not. And you no, you're on the clock in the studio, but uh, you know you gotta you gotta sort of have a general sense of what you're going to do. But but as far as uh, rehearsing every little thing, no, I don't like to do that because I like to I like for the magic to happen. Well, know. one of the things that I remembered hearing when I was listening to at King Electric in my headphones. Yeah. Compared to some of the earlier CDs, it's yeah. such a rich, lush sound uh -huh. on that record. Yeah, it is. It is quite. Uh, it is quite rich, uh, and a lot of that is Justin. Like butter. Justin. Yeah. Justin, the uh, engineer and co-producer, and of course it's the. The artist too, like Andre, the way he tunes his drums, you know, um, uh, he he's got his own thing about that. Mm -hmm. And Richie's sound and my, my my amps and my sound and the way. Were I you play. all together? Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were right here in that big circle. Uh, Not yeah. doing separate tracks and everything. Uh, now, there's some overdubbing on the record, but uh, but mostly the feel comes off the floor, us playing live in the studio. So that was released in 2018. We're halfway through 2019. Are yeah. you going to do another record? Yeah, I'm. I'm not in a hurry to make another record, mm -hmm. but I, I am writing right now. Yeah. You probably got ten or twelve records. No, in you. I no. have nine records. In you? No, I have nine. Out. No, I meant 
out. Um, you mean you mean that I'm going yeah, to do? Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I haven't got a clue. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how long I'm going to live even. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that yeah. we had this time together. Oh, as too. They yeah, say. thank you, Diana. And it's such a pleasure. And thank you, Ray Bonneville. Thank you, Diana. If I die on top of the hill, if I don't make it, you know my baby will. Don't the moon look good, Mama, shining to the trees? Don't the break man look good? Flagging down the double E Don't the sun look good Going down over the sea Don't my gal look fine When she's coming after me